Good morning, everyone. We are thrilled to have you with us as we start a brand new sermon series, Sound Mind, Mental and Emotional Well-Being. And it's not necessarily the best thing to do to start a series with a disclaimer, but let me just say that I am not a psychologist. Uh, those are people with a PhD in an area of mental health, licensed by the state of Ohio. Uh, I'm not a psychiatrist, which uh, is a person who is a doctor, whether they're a DO or an MD, and a psychiatrist can prescribe medications for certain situations where a psychologist cannot. I am a pastor with a master's degree in pastoral counseling and psychology, uh, which is a, sort of a different approach altogether. I learned very early in my educational pursuits in my undergrad that uh, all truth is God's truth and to strive for the integration of faith and learning. And so over the next several weeks, we will try to build and bring sort of a biblical perspective uh, to mental and emotional well-being. And uh, I often make this disclaimer in case you forget, which uh, if you're around me very much, you won't. Uh, but I preach a perfect word from an imperfect life. Got my own issues, found counselors and psychologists to be very helpful in the past. And so keeping my heart and head right is also a challenge. And so turn to your neighbor and say, he's still working on it. Lest uh, you think otherwise. And uh, I have preached on mental and emotional well-being many times throughout the years, tried to do it periodically. Uh, in 2019, we did a series. If you want to go back, you can go online at our website. It was called uh, Inside Out. That was March of 2019. A couple of years ago, it wasn't directly, but it's related to mental health. I often write a book to go with a sermon series. It was called Soul Fast, Living with Unmet Longings. And a lot of times, depending on the longing and the disappointment in life, it can really get the better of us. And this book kind of helps you with that. Um, the other one that you can get there on Amazon is Unstuck. It, it was directly related to unstuck in your thoughts, relationships, bad habits, and from your past. But don't get unstuck if you're just going to read it. Um, but if you promise, you'll read it with a pen, okay, or something to write with. Because I wrote it as though we're sitting down talking through stuff. And so right in the middle of it, it'll say, okay, make this list, or underline this, or put a check mark here. And if you do the work with it, don't just read it. People said it's really helpful, but if you're just going to read it, it's not going to impact that much. So you can get both of those if you want to go to Amazon.com. We made a schedule change with this series, and I normally don't do that because we try to be months out so the team can plan accordingly, everything from what songs best work with the message to illustrations and closings and whatnot. But a few weeks ago, I put on uh, my Facebook page, uh, Stantharp Resources, a question, kind of an informal poll. And I said, I'm doing a series on mental and emotional health. Um, what issues do you hope we address or questions do you hope we'll talk about? And I was uh, honestly uh, humbled and taken back. Over 100 comments right away. And not just, not likes, comments, and some of the comments, paragraphs long. Uh, the pain... The struggle, the difficulty was palpable. And as I read through that, the two most common issues were dealing with anxiety and dealing with depression, as you would imagine. And there was also a lot of concern about what happens when it's a family member of mine. There was frustration. You could read even anger. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. There was a lot of heart sickness in the comments people who have longed for and tried and, and whatnot and still don't have relief, or people who feel like a loved one struggles with it and there's a stigma attached to that. And, and I realized the amount of stress and struggle and pain in those comments that, wow, if this series doesn't go well, it could actually do more harm than good, or people can come out sideways and kind of shoot the messenger. And so... I told the team, we need to, to do this justice. We need to extend the series more than just February. So we're going to go through most of February and all of February and most of March as well. And on top of that, we were going to do a series by Tony Evans on Wednesday nights on reconciliation. We're going to bump that to April. Because on Wednesday nights, we do what we call Deeper Dive in the West Auditorium. It's at 7 o'clock, and you're invited to come to that because typically we take what we talk about in the weekend and we deal with it deeper on Wednesday. So we're going to do a deeper dive in this whole area of mental and emotional well-being on Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. 
Uh, some of those weeks, I'm going to bring in uh, mental health professionals from our congregation for Q&A kinds of times. And so we'll do a lot of interaction and a lot of interaction with the people that are there. So you'll want to be with us on, for Wednesdays at 7 o'clock. If you have kids, there's kids ministries all the way through um, uh, teenage years. I'm with it as well. And so we're going to deal with this as best we can. And uh, as we go through that, let me just start with sort of a, a definition that's a good working definition when it comes to mental and emotional well-being. Mental and emotional health is a state of well-being that enables people to cope with the stresses of life, to realize their abilities and potential, to learn well and to work well and contribute to their community. It's kind of a productive life. It's an integral component of health and well-being that underpins our individual and collective abilities to make decisions, build relationships, and shape the world that we live in. So let me go back and read that one more time and just kind of listen to it, let it soak in. Mental and emotional health is a state of well-being that enables people to cope with the stresses of life, to realize their ability and potential, to learn well and to work well and contribute to their community. And that really is what we're talking about. And, and I, would, I, I would believe that the Bible tells us that those of us who are people of faith, we should have a leg up on this, an advantage in that. And so before we dive into the message, the outline, and if you go to the CLC app, the outline is there each week. And this week, uh, as we did last week, there are a ton of verses that we're not going to put the references up on the screen. You'll want to go back and read them later. I will refer to them, but just in passing, not with scripture, passage and verse. There'll be some will put on the screen, so you want to follow along. But before we dive in, I want to deal with one essential to mental health. And uh, it is best illustrated by this, uh, this uh, cartoon that I saw this week. <coughs> Moses lost in the desert. <laughs> Knock it off, right? What does that have to do with the emotional mental health? Directly nothing, all right? I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Especially, is anybody else directionally challenged like I am? And I find that GPS hasn't made me better with directions. It made me stupider. Because now I pay no attention to where I'm going. I do what the voice tells me, right? Um, and so I really laughed at that, recalculating, recalculating. The only point there is you've got to keep a sense of humor. Tough crowd, right? You've got to have a sense of humor to make it through life. I mean, you just do, okay? When you stop laughing at life and a little bit laughing at yourself, you're in trouble. So turn to your neighbor, just say out loud, keep a sense of humor, all right? It's on purpose. We have to do that. Even if it's a cheesy sense of humor like that, okay? It doesn't have to be great sense of humor. If you like it, that's what matters, all right? So, all right, let's deal with the first question, and that is what does mental and emotional health have to do with being a Christian? What, why, why are we even dealing with this in church, you might say? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul puts it this way, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That's the King James Version, but of all the verses, I think that interprets the literal, the first, the primary language the best. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear and anxiety, but power and love and a sound mind, a stability on the inside. And uh, in 3 John, verse 2, there's only one chapter there, but he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. If you unpack the word soul and understand it from a biblical perspective, your soul prospering, flourishing, doing well, refers to your mind, your thought life, your anxieties or not, your, your emotions, your feelings, and then your behavior that comes from that because typically we do what we feel or what we think. When you ask, why'd you do that? Well, I thought, or well, I felt, and so I did. And so the apostle is saying, I want you to flourish on the inside. I want your mind to be healthy, your thought life to be healthy. I want your, your emotional life to be healthy and productive. And I want those together combined to come out in healthy behaviors that build that kind of productive, uh, effective life and relationships and purpose and all that that was spoken of earlier. Now, it's important that we also identify what emotional and, and mental well-being is not. And so in order to illustrate that, I have here a game of Jenga. Who's ever played Jenga? 
All right, a bunch of us have, all right? So uh, in Jenga, when you set the game up, you make this Jenga tower. I don't know if they call it a Jenga tower, but that's what I'm calling it. And, and so you, you put all these pieces of wood up there, and it kind of, let's draw the parallel of that. The Jenga tower is kind of like life. So you go through first grade, second grade, third grade, up through uh, middle school, high school, you graduate. Uh, maybe you go to college or you go to trade school or whatever, and then you get a job and maybe you get a house or an apartment or you get married or not, or you have kids or not or whatever. And so there we have life all nice and neat and stacked up. And so we, we look at that and say, ah, there we go. And there is mental and emotional well-being, okay? So that's you living the dream. Now, how many of you know that life doesn't always stack up nice and neat and stay that way? Can I get an amen from all the people who have? It just takes birthdays to learn that. Things don't stay as they are. And so, you know, uh, that, that, maybe that job you got, maybe you lost your boss or maybe it didn't go too well. Um, boy, as you get older, you find out that your health changes. Uh, you get married and you find out, as uh, Pastor Josh reminded us, marriage takes a lot of... Oops. That's embarrassing. You're like, I want to play him in Jenga. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, emotional and mental well-being is more like that. Because life is messy. Life falls apart. Dreams crumble. Progress fades. And Emotional and mental well-being, I find, is that whole idea that John wrote about, that it's well with my soul. It is far more possible to achieve it and to sustain it here than to build the Jenga Tower of life and keep it all perfectly balanced there. In fact, I don't know how to do the other illustration. I know how to live that. But it's possible for you to live this. Now, the bad news to that is not everything gets neat and tidy. Some messes stay messes. But it is, it is also possible, desirable, and attainable that you can have the it is well with my soul even when parts of life are or become or stay a mess. So that's what we're going to work toward in the next several weeks. And, and please, if you leave a particular weekend uh, and you didn't hear what you wanted to hear, just stay tuned and stay with us. And so let me read adjectives and descriptions and listen in the list to see if you've ever, you'd say, yeah, I, that, that happened to me or I've felt that or I've been there. All right. Have you ever felt alone? You ever gone through grief? Loss. You ever had battles with anxiety or stress? You ever been depressed? You ever been wounded in life or betrayed? Have you ever failed and failed big? You ever been disappointed, misunderstood, felt isolated, been scared, overwhelmed by anger, guilt, confused, hurt, If any of those describe any time in your life, in your existence, would you join me? Because I am standing right now saying, yes, some of those things describe my inner state. If that's you, you've ever had that, stand. Just stand. Now, don't sit down yet. Literally, look around. Go on. Be rude. Look at people. (laughs) And in your mind, think, huh, you too. You too. Now, we don't come in with with little signs. Depressed. Really angry. Wondering where God is. But all of us know what I'm talking about. All of us live on a planet that has fallen and it cannot get up. And all of us live in a life and a world that is a Jenga kind of mess. 
But likewise, all of us, if we mobilize our faith and our relationship with God in a healthy way, we can say, even in that, even in what I'm standing in today, it can be well with my soul. All right, go ahead and take a seat. Now that we've identified we're all in this together, let's talk about a continuum of, of understanding, of compassion, and of hope. And in my office, there's a whiteboard with this continuum drawn on there. And, and Dirk came in this morning and goes, oh no, you had a whiteboard too? I said, no, because there's already plenty of illustrations today. I'm kind of excited about them. And I was going to draw it too, but I, I, it's just too many pieces. So picture a whiteboard in your mind, all right? Picture me with a marker in front of that whiteboard because it's where I love to be, all right? So, and there's a continuum, all right? On one end of the continuum is, is like everyday living, Everyday living has great stuff. Everyday living has smiles and joys. Everyday living has frowns and tears, heartaches and disappointments. It's all part of life. And everyday living, we have both celebrations and coping. And there's the give and the take and the up and the down. And, and that's where hopefully most of us spend most of our time dealing with that. Sometimes we, we don't deal with it successfully and we drift more to the other end of the continuum. And in the middle of the continuum is, is where fear and anxiety hits problematic levels. Uh, you may hear helping professionals talk about being neurotic and neuroses and those kinds of things. And there are uh, compulsions and obsess obsessions and, and, and thoughts that get the best of us and, and we get overwhelmed by fear and, and anxious, anxious distress. And then if you go further on that continuum, it's, it's more rare, but you hear people talk about, they use the word psychosis or psychotic. And I remember it was described to me once by a psychologist mentor of mine years ago. And he said, you want to understand the difference between a neurosis and a psychosis, uh, people who battle neurosis, which, which is the, just the, the intensity of un irrational fear. He said, people that have extreme neurosis are afraid of castles in the air people with psychosis live in them. So psychosis is actually a break from reality. And it's scary to, to be with a person who's going through that. Your heart aches for them. But that's kind of the continuum that we're on. And we'll be pulling in mental health professionals on Wednesday nights that can talk about each of those areas. And, and you can be a person of faith anywhere along this continuum. And that may shatter some myths as well. And so we're going to talk about that. And, and hopefully we're all going to move toward the, toward the everyday end of that and find functional, healthy ways that we can mobilize our faith to deal with that. When I made the Facebook post and poll, I got several responses. And one person for whom this is really fresh because they have a loved one who has just recently hit a psychotic episode just blown their world up. And they said, can you address the stigma that seems to be inextricably attached to the entire topic of mental illness? It exists everywhere, and some do not even believe it exists at all. Others believe it, but they consider it like a scarlet M, and they brand it onto the person who is suffering and their loved ones and their blood relatives as well. They said, you know, we limp on a sprained ankle. We cannot run and have difficulty walking. That's fine. You're injured. But sprain your brain? Your thought process is limp. You have difficulty thinking and you can lose the ability to make decisions. And all of a sudden you're crazy and can't think straight. Please help us change the narrative. And so uh, my hope is that as we deal with this, that we will have a healthier narrative of understanding this continuum. Another person wrote from their own experience. He said, I could really speak to so much on this topic from personal experience and acceptance of my mental health along with trying to help others, especially Christians who think clinical depression and anxiety are a choice. Sadly, far too many of us kind of believe we'll just think differently, just don't feel that way. And it's, it gets way more comp... It, volitional remedies, choices are okay here, but the more intense it gets, it's harder to just make a choice and it's different. They said, I find people truly misunderstand the difference between a chemical imbalance of the brain, which can cause depression or anxiety, versus feeling sad or worried for a period of time. When I'm clinically depressed or anxious, throwing scripture at me or telling me to pray more made me feel like a weak Christian and I felt more defeated. 
Realizing I have an imbalance in my brain, like a diabetic has an imbalance in the pancreas, or my thyroid needs medication to work properly, really helped me. Once I got medical treatment, then I could combat sadness or worry. And they made this great explanation. They said a person can love Jesus, have an amazing life, great family, and still have clinical depression. This is the paradox that people can't understand how the two exist. And then they, they brought this in. I thought, I'm going to go ahead and bring it. They said, Celebrate Recovery has been a wonderful place to help people sort out causes and ask the question, is this clinical or situational? And you might be saying, Celebrate Recovery, I thought that was for people that deal with addictions. No, Celebrate Recovery is a loving, healing, connecting place, whether you have hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Yeah, it's for breaking addictions, habits. But if you're hurting emotionally, mentally, relationally, it's a place to connect and to be loved and cared for and share. And, and boy, when you share it, it gets lighter. And that's every Monday at 6 o'clock. Just come to door two. There's dinner. And then Celebrate Recovery meets afterwards. And so let's learn to respond to God's soul care. And this point really moves me personally about how amazing God is. When I was a kid, I used to go to the dentist. And if you were good, and you had a good appointment, he had this little cardboard box full of plastic rings. And you could pick out a ring because you were good at the dentist. Couldn't give you candy, right? I mean, <laughs> so. And, and now I go to the dentist, and uh, Dr. Pearson, last time I was there, said, hey, I have a gift for you. I guess I was real good in the, in the chair. No. Uh, but he gave me a, a book of Puritan prayers, Valley of Vision. And somebody texted me last night, what was the name of that book again? So it's the Valley of Vision. And it is a collection of Puritan prayers and devotions. And I, I read one of the prayers this week and it really struck me and I highlighted the, the, the statement. They said, help me to honor you by believing before I feel. For great is the sin if I make feeling a cause of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. Say it again. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling. It is not true because I feel like it's true. I have felt things really strong inside of me. Turned out my feelings were wrong. Anybody else ever been there? I love feelings, but sometimes I can't totally trust them. And, and so when we look at our soul health and we look at the relationship God wants to have with me and when we talk about the, the, the soul care God wants to do, boy, there are times that I have cried out to God and asked for comfort or help and I did not feel it. I'm probably the only one here that ever prayed to God and didn't feel like God heard me. Didn't feel like God was there. But it doesn't matter if I felt like it or not because feeling is not the prerequisite of my faith. God's word, God's truth. And so I walk by faith in what he said, not by sight, not by feelings, and not even by figuring it out. Because did you ever figure something out or figure somebody out and you were wrong again? Or am I the only one? So even my thoughts, sometimes betray me. And on this continuum, boy, on this continuum, you get over here, you realize, whoa, feelings can be way not good for you and thoughts can be way deceiving for you. And so it's finding that healthy place. And so go with me on this deep dive of God's soul care for you and look at what an incredible God he is. He spoke the universe into existence. Have you seen pictures from the Hubble telescope? He made that stuff. He spoke the mountain ranges, the Grand Canyon, hummingbirds, and your DNA into existence. It came from his incredible mind. And he cares for you intimately. So what I'm going to do is read a couple of verses. They'll be on the screen. And then I went through the book of Psalms, and not, by no means a, an exhaustive list, but I highlighted two different kinds of verses. So... First of all, let's look at Psalm 6, verse 4. Return, O Lord, rescue my soul. Save me because of your loving kindness. 
Here the psalmist, most of the psalms, not all, are written by David that God calls, in his own words, a man after my own heart. David is saying here, God, rescue my soul. And some of you walked in here, you're hearing the other guys talking about mental health, and you are, you are hanging on every word because you feel like you're going down for the last time, and you're like, God, rescue me. Now, there are times that I felt like I was going down for the last time. Turns out it wasn't the last time because I went down and he brought me back up again. And, and, he, and he does that. And what does he say? Because of your loving kindness, because of your nature, because of who you are and the kind of God you are, God, rescue me. And so in the book of Psalms, as elsewhere, we'll see over and over again, God wants a relationship with you. How many of you know relationships are two ways? It's this and this. So there is a lot in Psalms where God does toward us, toward our soul, to rescue, to comfort, to restore. I'm going to read some of those. But there's also then a responsibility of my soul to God. The other half of the relationship. Psalm 62.5 is a great example of that. My soul, wait in silence. Say wait in silence. For God only, for my hope is from Him. So that is now, and if I want mental and emotional well-being, if I want it to be well with my soul, part of my time has to be spent. Shh. Yeah, but it's quiet. I've got a responsibility back to this God who cares for my soul. So I'm going to first just kind of random fire, hit phrases that are in the verses uh, in the app, but I'm not going to give chapter and verse, of just the kind of soul-caring behavior God does. Listen to this. The creator of the universe does this, feels this, wants to do this with you. Rescue me. He restores my soul. <sighs> Guard my soul and deliver me. Heal my soul. Some of us are so battered and wounded and scarred. He's the healer of our soul. The Lord is the sustainer of our soul. He will help you through. He is the redeemer of my soul. He takes us when we feel trashed and worthless and restores our value to us. He redeems us. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. God is a God who wants to be near to you even when you don't feel like he is. Because we walk by faith, not by feelings. Make glad the soul of your servant. God can bring gladness to us. Delight my soul. You have rescued my soul from death. You made me bold with strength in my soul. God can give you that back. Bring my soul out of prison so I may give thanks to your name. Some of you, the bars weren't evident in front of you when you walked in. But some of you are living in such a dark prison of pain. Loneliness, depression, despair. And I'm not against game faces. We all have, I mean, it's just functional to, to kind of have a game face. How are you doing? Okay, great. But, but that deep down inside that we all at times struggle with. And David's like, you know what? God can, God can bring my soul out of prison. So those are some of the things that God does toward us. But it's a relationship. If I'm going to have a healthy soul, it's not just God, do all this, redeem me, save me, help me, heal me, restore me, set me free. It's not just all that. God says, okay, fine. Now, here are the things that I want you to do in response. Along with, here's the other side of a healthy soul. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Man, I have thought of that verse so many times and there are sometimes, you know what I have said? I don't feel like praising the Lord. Anybody else with me on that? You're sitting there going, and you're a pastor? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't love God, honor God, serve God, worship God because I feel like it or not. Boy, there are some weekends I come into this service and I'm like, God, the last thing I feel like doing is worshiping you. And the Holy Spirit says, well, it's a good thing it's not about you then, isn't it? <laughs> because you're here to worship me. It has nothing to do with how I feel. Nothing to do with what's going on in life. It is just the fact that God is worthy of it. And so I will make the choice to bless the Lord. Psalm 142. For to you I lift up my soul. I find one of the best things for me is to pray, and I'm a fan of praying out loud. And just dump your guts to God. Lord, here it is, deep down inside. Here's my thoughts. Here's my feelings. Here's where I am. 
I have composed and quieted my soul. That's not a reread. That's another verse over and over again. What you're going to hear is the admonition that says, shh, never, never will you find in Scripture, hurry up and draw near to God. Get busier so you can get closer. It is always be still. It's kind of like enough already. Just shh. Like do what you're doing right now. There's something about quiet. And boy, if the, if the Daniel fast didn't challenge me about needing to be more intentional about quiet because anybody else? This is life. Even when it's not activity in front of me, this is what's happening in my head. I think I said it the other day. You know, I, I can have me, if I'm not in a meeting, I can have one in my head with nobody around. Just. And the Bible says, no, if you want well-being here and here, you're going to have to intentionally just sit down, be quiet or take a walk or whatever. And just, I have composed and quieted my soul. David says, like a tiny baby that rests against his mother. See, when that child leans against mom's breast and just is there and they're comforted, there is just a letting go of everything. And God says, that's how I want you to be with me. Just let it go. So, isn't God amazing? I think he is. <laughs> My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. There it is again. My soul observes your testimonies. I have said many times that there is nothing in this book that isn't good for you as a human being because it was written by, it is the owner's manual of humanity written by the one who made you. You own a Chevy, you got problems with it, you go to the owner's manual to see how is that supposed to work. And this was written by the one who created you, who formed you in your mother's womb, the Bible says. And so when we learn what God's word says and how to live, how to treat myself, other people, how to relate to the world around me, David says, I do that. My soul thirsts for you. My soul clings to you. I wept in my soul with fasting. I put those verses together because it reminds me of the series we just got through of prayer and fasting, hunger and thirst for righteousness. I am to tune my appetites and my thirst for being in God's presence. And he says, I wept in my soul with fasting. Later he talks about how God restores him. And this is the one place I'm going to get confrontational for like 90 seconds. Then I'll get back to being a nice guy. We just got done with the Daniel fast, three weeks. A bunch of us participated. A bunch of you blew it off. I don't do that kind of stuff. Let that attitude cause you to ask the question, how's my soul? Because there's something about spiritual disciplines that are good for your thought life and your feelings, soul deep. There's something about it. The taming of that. The forcing myself to be quiet in that. Rather than eating, I'm going to pray. There, there is something about spiritual disciplines that are good for you rather than the junk food of the soul we talked about last series. My soul longed and even yearned for the courts of the Lord. You know what David's saying there? I long to be here. And I'm glad for all of you who are online with us, who for some reason, if you're distant or shut in or can't be here, but otherwise, man, there is nothing like being in the building, in the room with each other, just something about that. And, and person to person, because I can watch online and be all alone. And there's something about not being all alone that is healthy for us. And David says, I long for that. I lift up my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Forget none of his benefits. Again, he's choosing to do that. Why are you in despair, oh my soul? Hope in God. Hope is a choice. And sometimes that choice is made against all odds. But I don't know about you, me and God, I don't know what the odds are. Me and God is usually going to overcome it. Certainly me, God, and other people of faith. Tremendous odds. And so we see that that restoring, caring, soul care that God does is a back and forth between us. And when you read the book of Psalms, there's God to you and there's you to God. And David, 
Wow, read, read Psalms and David, this man for God's own heart, his emotional life was like this. Not. David was all over the map. God, you're amazing. God, where are you? God, you're amazing. God, where are you? You ever felt that way? All over. David shows us how to be honest to God in our crying out from our soul as we also quiet ourselves and wait on him. So with all that covered, kind of like an introduction, I want to leave you with three practical tweaks that you could do that are good for you, your, your mental and emotional well-being. Three things you can do this week, all right? Everybody say, listen up. Here they are. Take notes. First thing you can do, and Dirk's going to help me with this. Uh, Dirk Van Duisburg is uh, our weekend team leader. And I, there he is. Give it up for Dirk. Welcome back, Dirk. Good to be here. Yeah. I often call him the Dutchman because Dirk is from Holland. And we have worked together for almost 23 years. And uh, Dirk's got a favorite Dutch word of mine. Go ahead and tell him what I give you a hard time about. Father. Yeah. He's in father. Yeah. Whenever he prays, Father God, I love it. It's the so, accent. Yeah, it's the accent. Um, and for most of Dirk's time, while well, he's had a couple of seats on the bus, um, he helps us build our services and he makes them look fairly effortless. But the amount of time and prayer and rehearsal and practice and training that goes into services is pretty incredible. And I, I dearly appreciate you for that, man. You'd... It's our team. Yeah, it is. Uh, so I told Dirk, well, let's start off by uh, just identifying what's one of your favorite sermon or service memories. Probably Christmas 2022. Yeah. Christmas 20, that was a year ago. Yeah, we thought it was pastor's last uh, Christmas here, so we just went all out and really came together. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, that was good. You can take a shot? Yeah. <laughs> we thought pastor was going to retire, but uh, he's kind of got a Tom Brady type. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we go back. <laughs> we go back a lot. Yeah. And uh, Dirk is the one that dubbed my truck the Orange Office. And I don't know, there's just something divine happens when we're in that thing. There's crazy creative stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, I told him my, my favorite, one of my favorites, I, I don't know, I'm not good at like the best, but one of my favorites was, and he guessed it this morning when I, when I talked about it, uh, was we, we do series sometimes called What Would Jesus Say To? We pick a personality or whatnot. And we did a sermon series years ago in the old building, and, and the sermon was, what would Jesus say to Christopher Reeve? Mm -hmm. And it was after his accident, and I don't think he had died yet. No. Mm -hmm. um, and so he played Superman, and Dirk put this incredible video together um, using Five for Fighting and the song about Superman, and he had a, a phone booth on stage and all this rubble. And stuff. I mean, it was incredible. The whole thing was just so creative and powerful. Just for fun, though, how many of you have never been in a phone booth? Would you raise all your 30-year-old and younger hands? Yeah, you see, I mean, been there. You know what that's about. But, uh, but just so fun and, and amazing. And uh, we, we have shared a lot together. Um, and it's been rewarding. It's been challenging. It was hard, mm -hmm. give and take. Um, but one of the best things you can do for your mental health is just this. Just... Have a cup of coffee? Dirk and I both enjoy coffee. In fact, we had a birthday party for him back in, was it October? Yeah. And surprised him. And so we told everybody, bring something coffee. Well, no, I don't even know if we said coffee really. Did we just, just bring a gift, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody brought coffee. He's got coffee for like 20 years. So. Yeah, pretty uh, much. <laughs> and, and, but it's amazing. And it's not, a, it's not a get together and dump your guts kind of thing. It's just be with people. There is something soul healthy, not being isolated. Uh, Doug Oates was out in the, in the lobby before uh, first service, I believe. And I grabbed a cup of coffee sitting there at one of the tables. And hey, Doug, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. I'd like to sit here and just, just meet people. Thank you. That's why we have these tables out here, uh, just to connect. So when you go out there, when we designed this building, we made, the, we made the lobby wide on purpose to handle a bunch of people. We put furniture all through there. And when you go to the left, past door three, that, that whole causeway, it's called the Connection Center and down to the cafe. And all that furniture is for, people, for you to stay off of it and don't touch it. No, it's for you to use it. Meet somebody before church. Let's grab a cup of coffee before service. Yeah, let's just chat. Just to connect, just to not be alone. 
That's really what this is about. Um, but then on top of that, yesterday, you volunteered to do a deeper dive. Right. So I don't want you to, to be intimidated by, well, I can't be super open, whatever. No, just, just connect with people is the homework assignment. But we're going to do a deeper dive uh, because uh, there, we all go through dark times in life. And uh, you're willing to kind of share what you went through. Yeah. And this is one of those things, even though you're a Christian, you work for a church, um, we're not exempt from challenges. At all. And, uh, 2010, 11 was a pretty rough season for me. I, um, because of stresses and depression, I, I really um, took a bit of a nosedive, struggled with a really bad eating disorder, uh, lost about 120 pounds in six months, and yeah. got with just within months of just doing like irreparable damage to my body while completely ignoring it. I was afraid you were gonna, a lot of us were afraid you were gonna not make it. Yeah, and um, it just the turnaround for that, and this is why we kind of shared this, why we're doing these stories is that um, a lot of times we just ignore it, pretend it doesn't exist, and yeah, I can deal with it. I'm under control. But it just, in a simple, at the time, Pastor Adam was here, and we just, over coffee, was the first time I was able to just state, yeah, I have an issue. Um, I have a bad issue. And um, although I had counseling, it took two and a half years to get through it. But sometimes the, the first steps towards uh, newness is just, sharing thoughts and time together mm -hmm. uh, with somebody you trust at a table, you know, whether it's a church or a coffee house or at a home. Yeah. Um, this is why we do what we do. And it does take that first step. Uh, and lots of times counselors are part of that. I know I've found many counselors to be helpful. Counselors aren't cheap, are they? No. <laughs> but, but they're worth it. They are worth it, yes. Uh, you know, could we pay you hundreds of dollars, even thousands of dollars to be miserable? No. Well, then why not go ahead and pay that to have someone help you move out of that misery? So, um, but we, we illustrate this just as one thing you can do. And I guarantee you on that continuum, as you move away from every day dealing with to being burdened and imprisoned by issues, one of the things that happens is that isolation. So find a way, again, not to dump on people all your stuff, but just, just get un, un alone. So it's the first step. Yeah. The yeah. first step to get out of it is the most important one you'll ever take. Yeah, exactly. So. And I'm so glad that you are out of it. Right. Yeah. So love and appreciate you. Man. Give it up for Dirk. So. So the, the second tweak that you can do uh, is simple. It can be dirt cheap. Um, might cost you 10 or 20 bucks a month if you want to splurge on yourself. Uh, but I'm going to demonstrate it for you, okay? This has been proven by loads of studies, all right, in the church, outside the church, physiologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, that this is hugely beneficial to your mental and emotional health. Are you ready? As good or better than that, it's this. <laughs> Exercise. Physical activity is so good for you. You're like, man, it's been like decades since I jumping jacked. Okay, then walk. Do something, all right? Studies show just a 20-minute brisk walk first thing in the day raises your metabolism, so you're kind of burned at a higher level, can lose a little weight, but it is good for you. God made you body, soul, and spirit, and guess what? Your body, when you get physical exercise, releases things called endorphins and other chemicals and hormones that are actually mood elevators and good for your mental and emotional health. You don't have to go over, I mean, you know, I, I like Planet Fitness, but I am, I am not what I call a back of the gym guy. If you've been to Planet Fitness, you know what I'm talking about? Because the guys in the back of the gym, I'm like, wow, you must like live back here. I, they got these, oh, you know, I'm not that guy. And thank you for laughing at me. It's fine. <laughs> I just want to keep it all working. Plus, it's good for you. And... If you study people who are not doing well here and here, the chances are real high they're not spending time here with anybody and they're not spending time here. The lethargy, the isolation just starts to take over because I don't feel like it, but we're not going to get healthy doing what we feel like. 
The third thing to do, practical tweak. Okay. Let's read the Bible. Oh, but it's such a hard, confusing book. Then go to the book of Psalms, which is basically a collection of prayers largely written by David. And you'll see his devotional life. You'll see his relationship with God. And you'll see the care, the soul care God does. You'll see him express his feelings to God, how to do that. And before I read Psalm 103, part of it, next weekend we're going to do a deep dive into what I believe is one of the most mentally, mental health oriented books of the Bible. So without calling it out, pop quiz, what book of the Bible do you think is the most mental health oriented book of the Bible? Okay, don't, don't say it. I think it's Philippians. Anybody else say Philippians? All right, a couple people. We'll see. But connecting with people on purpose, not to dump your junk, just to be together. And getting physical exercise, that's how God made you, and spending time with this. And if you read a whole chapter and get one sentence out of it, if, if I get one nugget, one insight, one aha moment, it's worth it. I go to, a whole, go to a whole seminar, if I walk away with one thought, it's worth it. So in Psalm 103, David says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless His holy name. It's making a choice whether I feel like it or not. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. So David says, look back on your past. Oh, man, all that something else. No, don't look back. Look back and see the benefits of God. Yeah, there's, there's junk and garbage to learn from and heal from, but look back and see the benefits of God who pardons all your iniquities. Look back and think of sins that you've committed. You asked for forgiveness and God forgave you and say, thank you, God. He redeems your life from the pit. Think of the messes you made or somebody else made and how God has redeemed you, brought you from that and through that. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion and satisfies your years with good things. Think back to all the blessings God has done because boy, the bad stuff and the pain, disappointment tends to overshadow that. Pull those good things out of the shadows of the pain and celebrate it. So your youth is renewed like the eagle. Thank God for the times he just gave you. Let's do it again. You go through that whole psalm and it ends the same way it started. Bless the Lord, all you works of his in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. And in faith, do it. Not feelings. I'll do it. And you will find those three simple steps are good for you. Doesn't solve everything, doesn't make everything go away, but it, but it puts you in the right direction and bumps the needle on your life from this end toward that end, toward this. And so we want to close with a song that goes back to the verse we started with, a sound mind. And it uses the word to prophesy. And prophesy, one definition is inspired statements of a future state. And so our hope for you as the team sings this song is that, is that God will bless you with an increasingly sound mind. A soul. Your thoughts, your emotions, your feelings, your inner state, healthier and healthier as you yield to the one who wants to heal and restore you.
to prophesy, I prophesy. You say, He'll deliver me. So Jesus, blood wash over me. Command my soul awake, arise. Use these breath to prophesy, I prophesy. Sound Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you created us, body, soul, and spirit. And on this planet, there is so much to stress and strain and challenge us and to put us in difficult places. We're thankful that you restore our soul. We're thankful that you, you come to us in our hearts, in our minds. And that we pray a blessing of, of restoration and healing and grace and peace in every life that is here today. Lead us in paths of righteousness, paths of inner health, for your namesake, God. Lord, for those who are in very dark and difficult places, we pray that you will begin to shine rays of hope. Lord, for those who are feeling all alone in the struggle, we pray that you will bring others to them and them to others. And that as you guide us, you will grow us. And let Christian Life Center be a safe and healing place. We ask all that in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. There'll be team members of our prayer team down front who'd love to pray with you. If you're carrying a burden that you'd like help with, uh, don't hesitate. And if you're new to CLC, after the service, we have uh, CLC 101, where several of us from the leadership team will be there to have pizza, lunch, and tell you about how to be, make CLC your church home. So feel free to join us in the West of Oak for that. God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great day. See you Wednesday night.